Hey everybody, it is the morning you lost an hour of sleep and you still came to church, so give yourself a round of applause. Thank you guys so much. Man, it's great to have you guys with us. So my daughter is in love with basketball. She's been playing basketball for a long, long time and she just enjoys it so much. And there was a little, little phase in her life where everything in her life had to be orange because the basketball is orange. And so she asked me to paint her room orange. She always wore orange. The only time she didn't wear orange as if she was wearing a Knicks shirt, which was blue, but it was okay because it still had orange in it, and it was the Knicks, and it was basketball, and so she loved it. Eventually, though, she decided, all right, I can still love basketball and introduce some pinks and purples back into my life, and so we began to paint her room, and we began to see some changes, and eventually she ordered a rug from Amazon. She was very excited about this rug. It was going to go next to her bed. It was going to be nice and pink and fluffy and girly, and she was going to be able to just sit on it, exercise on it, hang out with friends on it, and she was so excited. Well, it was shocking because when it arrived, it was huge. It was enormous. I actually got some guys uh, helping me bring this out on stage. Oh, actually, no, that's right. It's actually this. <laughs> Unbelievable. It was supposed to be the big, beautiful carpet next to her bed, and instead she got that. When I opened the box, I was literally like, did they send us a sample? Do you add water, and it turns into a real carpet? Like, what is going on here right now? But I can tell you this, she was really disappointed, and it turned out just to be a really inaccurate website description at the end of the day. And in life, guys, this is sometimes what we get, right? We, we were expecting something so different, so much bigger, so much better, and sometimes this is what we get. And in this series here, we're trying to figure out how to work through that, right? That sometimes there's discouragement in our life, and sometimes there's despair in our life, and depression in our life, and disappointment is kind of the cousin or the relative of all these different things that can so easily attack our hearts. And today I just want to talk with you about the times when life is disappointing, the times when it does work out this way. And it happens like that for all of us. Every single one of us, at some point or another, we go through something incredibly disappointing, discouraging. And sometimes we find ourselves out at depression or despair. And so what do we do? I want to tell you, you guys, man, we all find ourselves in good company when we wrestle with this kind of stuff. Like, as you read the Bible, there's what's known as, like, the Bible heroes, you know? They're kind of the names that get preached about a lot, the names that get talked about a lot, people that, wow, they love God, and they kind of inspire us, but there's something important I need you to know about a lot of these people. They wrestle with the same disappointment and discouragement, depression and despair that you and I do as well. In fact, there's a guy named Job. You guys know Job? Job was living his best life, man. Things were going good. He was really smart. He was tech, uh, not tech savvy, there was no tech. He was really business savvy, and uh, he basically invented the internet. That's who did it. It was Job, so congratulations on that. No, Job was really business savvy. He was a wealthy guy. He had lots of property, had beautiful chil children and a family, and, and all was going well, but one day he lost everything in one moment except his wife and his life. He lost his health. He lost his money. He lost his children. He lost his property. Everything he lost except his, his life and his wife. And in that moment, the, at first, it's like, yeah, Job, go, Job, because you guys know, probably if you're familiar with the story, the famous line, he says, I will bless the name of the Lord, right? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Even in the midst of my pain and suffering, blessed be the name of the Lord. And we sing a song with the, with the you know, that verse in it. We, we talk about that. We, we talk about looking up to Job and this example that he wasn't. Yes, he was an example in that moment, but if you read a few chapters later, disappointment turns into discouragement which turns into despair, which turns into depression. And look at what Job says in Job 3, verse 1. He says, after this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. He said, may the day of my birth perish and the night that said a boy is conceived. That day, may it turn to darkness. May God above not care about it. May no light shine on it. For sighing has become my daily food. 
My groans pour out like water. Everybody say groans. All right, you had an hour less sleep last night. Everybody say groans. Come on. There, that's a little bit better. Thank you. I want you to remember that word. What I feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. Disappointed. I'm discouraged. I'm, I'm despairing. I'm, I'm depressed. I feel like I've had the life sucked out of me. Have you ever been there? Are you there maybe even right now? What do we do when we're disappointed like this? Well, for starters, like I said last week, we do not lower our expectations of God, right? Can we all agree on that? Can we all be in on this together? We don't decide that God isn't still a big God anymore. We don't decide that he doesn't answer prayer anymore. We don't decide that maybe we'll just, to protect ourselves from future disappointments, not ask such big requests. That's not the plan, right? One of our themes in 2020 is bold in our asking. We're going to boldly ask God for big things this year, okay? So the plan is not to lower our expectations of God. So what do we do? Well, in this series, what I want to do is, what I want to say is, instead, let's look at some things God has already done, some things we're already sure of, some things that already bring us hope and life, and let's cling to those instead. And then let's watch ourselves walk around with a joy and a hope that we have no business having outside of God. Some of you guys might be looking at some disappointment, and it seems like all you can see, you know? It's like all you can focus on is that disappointment and that pain. And what I want to encourage you and I to do is to learn this little equation in this series. It's yes, but, right? Yes, I'm disappointed, God, but. And last week, we really got our eyes on something way bigger than all of our disappointments. Last week, we we learned this. Life disappoints, but heaven awaits, right? Life disappoints, but heaven awaits. We get to be excited about that. We get to lean into eternity. We get to say, oh God, I get to be with you forever. Like there's a perfection coming. There's a hope coming. And I don't normally push our podcast and say, hey, everybody subscribe and everybody listen. But let me say, if you weren't here last week, please check out the stream or the podcast. Not to push my message, but just to say, man, we talked about some stuff about heaven that if you don't know, you need to know. Like, we, we zeroed in on some things about heaven, and I think sometimes it's like, what am I going to do for all eternity, and what's it all about, and where is it going to be, and will I even want to be there? And last week, we spotlighted that, yes, life here and now disappoints, but man, some incredible stuff is coming. And so I encourage you to check that out if you missed it, because that's where we started. It's probably the most important place we could start. But today, I want to talk about some other areas of our struggle in this, okay? I want to ask you two questions. The first question is this, have you ever not known what or how to pray. Like there was such a disappointing situation in your life, you just didn't even know how to pray about it, you know? You were so disappointed, you didn't know how to approach God. You were so discouraged, it was like words couldn't form in your mouth. You were so despairing, it's almost like all you could do is groan. Everybody say groan. I want you to think about that word today as we work our way through this. And I want to say that I have been here. Like I've been in the spot in life many times where all I could do was groan. All I could do is is groan my way through the day. All I could do is try to fight my way and take another step forward because life had been so disappointing or discouraging and I found myself in those places of depression or despair. So what do we get our eyes on when in the midst of that we don't know how to pray? We don't know what to say. God, I've said it a thousand times. How else can I say it? God, I don't know how other, you know, what other angle to come at this from, but I need some help here because I don't even know how to pray anymore. We're going to talk about what to do when you're there. Second question, have you ever imagined that there's no possible way good could come from a certain situation in your life? 
Like there's just no way that in that spot and in that way, good is ever going to come out of that situation. You know, the heart is too broken for good to come of this. The financial situation is too devastating for any good to come out of this. The mess you made is too deep for anybody to get you out of. The lostness of confusion you're feeling about life, man, how could good ever come from this? I have been there, guys. I've been there. I know what that feels like. I know what that looks like. I know how to look at a situation and feel like, man, this will probably be the one time that the good doesn't come, right? There's just no way. Today, we're going to talk about these two questions. What do I do when I don't know how to pray in the midst of my despair? And what do I do when I just can't imagine good coming from this? This is important, right? Because here's the deal. When you and I are trying to navigate our way through a situation like that, we're in a very dangerous place because Right here is where we could decide that while we still believe in Jesus, we don't really believe that he heals anymore. That we do believe in Jesus, we don't really believe he answers big prayers anymore, right? Maybe the little ones. This is where we may decide, God, either you're there or you're not, right? This is where we may decide it's not worth following anymore. And so we have to, in the midst of our pain, when we're so, so susceptible to just distraction, even deceit about God, lies about God, lies about our circumstance, we've got to really come around some serious, serious truth. If you're not a follower of Jesus, my guess is you've walked through some of this. Maybe you're here today saying, somebody dragged me to church. I don't want to be here. I don't like this because I asked God for something and it didn't happen. I asked God for something that didn't happen in my time frame or it never happened and I just decided, well, then he must not be there, right? And that disappointment led you to a place where you really said, I'm, I'm done with God. And we're going to work through that today, okay? And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at some verses that follow where we were last week. Last week we left with Paul saying that you and I, we groan in anticipation for heaven, right? That there's this, this groaning, all creation around us, we're all groaning forward, leaning forward. Oh God, we can't wait till the day we're with you. God, we can't wait until we are in heaven with you. And then Paul said this, and this is where we left off. He says, okay, so here's where we're at now. We are hoping. We are hoping for what we do not yet have. He said, nobody hopes for what you already have, but you hope for, for what's to come, right? And then he says this. In Romans 8, 26, he says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now, the Greek word for weakness is bringing up this idea of our inadequacy and our limitations, okay? So all of us know that we have inadequacy and limitation in some way or another, right? There's something in our life that, that maybe isn't at 100, right? We're not, we're not functioning at 100. We're struggling through something. And what Paul is saying here is that for us, there's a very specific struggle that we could probably all relate to at one point or another in our lives. And here it is. He says, we do not know what we ought to pray for. He links not knowing what to pray for with a time of great despair and brokenness. It's those times in our lives when we're so disappointed we don't know how to approach God. We're so discouraged that the words can't form in our mouth. We don't know how to pray. And so we're sitting here feeling so helpless. Have you ever felt like you should be this like serious prayer? You know what I mean? We're going to talk about that four weeks from today. You ever feel like, man, I just want to be somebody who, man, when somebody says so they're going through something, I could pray for them and they know I'm going to pray. Like, they know, I'm going to go to God with this thing, and I'm going to seriously fight in prayer for this. Like, you ever felt like that's who you want to be? But the disappointment and despair in your life has you and I praying so often only about our pain, right? And so what do we do when we don't know how to pray because of our disappointment and our despair? Look at this. He continues the verse. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but 
the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. What does that mean? Guys, there are aches in our heart and our soul where all we can do is groan. Everybody say groan. There are aches in our hearts. All we can do is groan. But what is this verse saying? This is incredible. This verse is saying that the Holy Spirit of God, right, which was placed in you and I when we put our trust in Jesus, that Spirit is taking our groans and turning them into perfect prayers. If you've ever felt alone, like, God, you don't even hear me. God, all I could do is groan. I don't even have words for this, God. All I can do is groan my way through this pain. I want you to know today, the Holy Spirit is interceding for you. The, the inter, inter, intercede means to pray for another. So he is taking those groans and he's going, I got this. I, I know what you mean. I know what you're feeling right now. I see the pain that you're in and I am interceding for you. I am fighting for you. I am going to make sure that that groan turns into a prayer before God the Father and it's going to make a great impact. It's going to, in fact, be a perfect prayer. In fact, it's going to be a better prayer than if you had prayed it. That's how good God is to you and me. I want to read you a quote by a guy named Doug Moo. Can we just talk about the name for a second first? <laughs> I was researching for this message, and I come across this quote. I'm like, oh, that's great. Who wrote it? And I just saw the last name. I just saw Moo. I was like, oh, I'm going to make a joke about changing my last name to this. And I flipped to the end of the book, and there is Doug Moo, and the Holy Spirit was moving. I knew it right then and there, okay? <laughs> so you can call me Mr. Moo from now on. But I love this. Look at what he says. He says, when we do not know what to pray for, Yes, even when we pray for things that are not best for us. We've all done that. Oh, God, I need this. Oh, God, I need that. God's going, you do not need that. That would be horrible for you. He says, we need not despair, for we can depend on the Spirit's ministry of perfect intercession or prayers on our behalf. So I'm disappointed. But I've got the Spirit of God taking my groans and turning them into perfect prayers. Some of us in the room might be saying, all the Pentecostals in the room might be saying, wait, Doug, I, I thought this verse was about speaking in tongues, right? Right? Like the Spirit takes our prayers and, and we groan and, okay, now that's a, a little bit of a different message, okay? That's 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14, but I don't think that this is talking about speaking in tongues because I don't want anyone here leaving today saying, well, I don't know how to do that and I don't know if I have that gift, so does that mean that the Holy Spirit isn't taking my groans and turning them into perfect prayers. No, see, this isn't talking about the gift of tongues. It's talking about the gift of groans, which we all have. Every one of us knows how to groan in our pain. We know how to groan before God. We know how to come before him with words we can't even get out. And this is saying that the Holy Spirit then takes that and prays a perfect prayer for you and me. So if you put your trust in Jesus, you've got perfect prayers going up out of your groans. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you, you leave here today, you have become a follower of Jesus, you will have the Holy Spirit taking your, your groans and turning them into perfect prayers. How does this work? Let's keep going. And, and I want you to remember, this is all driving somewhere, right? Two questions. The first one was, what do we do when we don't know how to pray? We just found out that the Spirit of God is praying for us and even through those groans. But, but what about the good, right? Can, can any of this lead to any good? We're going to get there. Verse 27 says, And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Romans 8, 27 just told us that the Holy Spirit is groaning out these perfect prayers and God the Father is going, oh, I, I got you. I, I hear you. I know. Doug didn't know what to pray. Doug was a mess. Doug couldn't get the words out. 
He's too beat down right now, but he groaned, and the Holy Spirit took that and turned it into a perfect prayer, and I understand what's going on here, and I'm 100% with you. So we groan, the Spirit takes the prayer, the Father gets it and says, I'm on it. I have some friends who are missionaries in Italy. Their kids grew up in Italy and America, kind of back and forth, and so they have a son named Dimitri who speaks uh, fluent Italian, fluent English, and one day, my friend Paul went to visit our friends in Italy, and so he's over there, and as they are getting to know different people, he's realizing, oh man, not many of these people speak English, and I don't speak Italian. And so he's over there one night, and the missionaries had to go do their thing, and they left Paul and his wife with an Italian couple, and Paul and his wife speak no Italian, and the couple spoke no English, and they're trying to have a little dinner thing here thing. You think your dinner engagements are awkward. And they're sitting there trying to figure this out. But they left them 11-year-old Dimitri, who was going to be the interpreter. And so he's sitting at the table. And you can just imagine the scene, how awkward it was. And so my friend Paul is trying to figure out how to overcome the awkwardness. And so he begins to say, uh, looks at Dimitri and says, so how many kids do they have? And Dimitri looks right back at him and goes, three. Not quite what I was going for, man. I'm like trying to get the conversation beyond me and you to, to, to them, right? And, and so he tries again. He says, oh, um, so w- what's the weather like in, in, uh, in the winter? And, oh, it's cold, but not as cold as you're used to. And he's like, Dimitri, ask them. Like, I need to get this conversation going beyond the two of us here. Well, what advantage did Dimitri have? Two things, right? First off, he knew the mind of that Italian couple. Like, he knew them. He knew who they were. He knew their story, and he could absolutely tell them the information they needed. And secondly, he could understand the language, Right? The Spirit of God sends out these groans, and the Father's going, I got you. Spirit, I, I know your mind. I know you're praying perfect prayers. And, and by the way, I, I understand the language you're speaking right now, and so you and I groan our way through the week, and God is going, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm for you. I'm praying. I'm working. Don't give up. I'm still here for you. I know all you can do is groan. I'm still good. I still have you. And watch how I continue to come alongside you and turn your groans into perfect prayers so he knows the mind of the spirit and he intercedes for you and me and i love that this is all leading some somewhere right all the groans are leading to good look at this famous verse romans 8 28 love this verse and we know that in all things god works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose super famous verse comes right after this verse And these verses about being in this place where all you can do is groan and the Spirit's praying through you. And suddenly, it's like those prayers are leading to good. It's like our groans are leading to good. It's like God's using it all. But I have a couple questions for you here. As you read through this verse, you go, does this verse apply to me, right? Like, is this verse about me? So first question, do you love God? Some of you are going, well, like, I hope I do. I I think I do. I'm not perfect. I kind of mess up sometimes. Not. Shut up, shut up. (laughs) Do you love God? Oh, yeah, I do love God, but I'm imperfect. No, 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 shut up. But do you love God? Yes, I I love God. Cool. Okay, great. Good, because this verse is about you then. But I don't know if I'm called according to his purpose. Am I called according to his purpose? Well, well, that kind of seems big and official. I'm sure Doug, Doug's called according to his purpose. I mean, there's no doubt that Doug, oh, no, no, we're all called according to his purpose, right? Like if you put your trust in Jesus, he's calling you to his way. He's calling you to surrender. He's calling you to be used by him. He's calling you to the purpose and destiny he placed you on this earth to fulfill, right? So yes, you are loved and you are called. And guess what that means? All things work for good for you. 
all things work for good for you. So we have to ask two more questions. What does all mean and what does good mean, right? Because it can't really mean all. Like Doug's doing one of these trick things. He's going to bring out the Greek and the Greek's not going to mean all. It's going to mean something else, right? No, see, all actually means all. All means everything you've been through, every deception that you had to endure, every backstab you had to take, every heartbreak you have been through in your life, even every bad decision you have made, God still is saying, I'm going to use it all for good. In all things, God works for good. You go, no, 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 no. I can't imagine the sickness working for good. No, God said he would use it. I can't imagine losing my job would work for good. How could that be possibly a good thing? No, God will use it for good. Watch what he does. But I got dumped. I got my heart broken. I look like an idiot. I look like a fool, and I still haven't recovered yet. Yet God is going to use it for good. My my own sin, there's no way. Yes, God's going to use it for good, which means this, guys. There is not one, not even one circumstance in your life that God hasn't used for good. Not even one. So that's all. Now let's talk about good. Now here's the deal, guys. It doesn't say God works all things for easy, right? It doesn't say God works all things for pain-free. It doesn't say God works all things in my timeline. It says God works all things for good. And what kind of good are we talking about here? Guys, we're talking about the kind of good that God sees. Like God sees a good that you and I don't always see. Like how many times have we prayed, oh God, here's what you've got to do. I'm 100% convinced, God, that if you did this, man, everything would, wow, just the whole world would come to know you, God. Like it would be crazy. Celebrities would be coming to know you. Like, I mean, it would be just nuts. Like America turns this whole Christian nation if you just did this one thing and God's going, that's not the good I'm going for. I've got a different good. i got a different good. It's still good. It's just a different good. And I think this is so important we know because this is where we get disappointed, right? We get disappointed when we think that it was supposed to be all things for pain-free and all things for easy and all things for on our timeline, right? No, there's a different kind of good that God is aiming at. The good that, listen, endures. Not like a temporary good, not a momentary good, but a good that endures. And listen to me, a good that we probably wouldn't have chosen if we saw it on the front side. A good that he's up to that maybe we're not even aware of on the front side, but he's bringing something great out of it. Let me give you an example. A few weeks ago, and it's, it's, it's incredible how I have to preach these messages to my own heart, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm a real human being. I am with you. Uh, I struggle. I have my ups and my downs. And a few weeks ago, I just felt, it was actually funny because it was the week before I had to preach part one. I just felt so weighed down. I felt so full of despair. And... There were some things that had gone on, and like I was really wounded in a lot of ways. And the crazy thing was, about a few days after that wounding, I was out walking in my neighborhood, praying late at night, and out of my mouth came these words, God, thank you so much for the hurt that took place in my life. And I wasn't saying it because I'm like some super Christian who enjoys pain. That's called psychotic, okay? That's not, there's nothing good about that. I prayed that because I saw good come out of pain. I saw good that I had been missing on if it wasn't for the pain. I'm still not over some of the stuff, but I'm 
thankful for the pain. And so every day I'm, I'm out praying and walking my neighborhood and then the words are coming to my mouth, God, thank you so much. And I even had the thought recently, like, what if those events hadn't taken place and I had been spared that pain? Like, I literally was like, oh God, thank you that they happened. Because there's a different kind of good. I would never have asked for that on the front side, but there's a different kind of good, a good that endures, a good that God sees, a good that maybe we wouldn't have chosen. But man, he takes all of it and uses it good. I'm not sure how this is going to play out, but even that flashing light behind me that's distracting half of you during the message today, I don't know. Maybe our production team planned it just so I could make that little illustration there, but Lord, in the name of Jesus, use it. All right. How does God use all of it for good? Uh, my grandfather's favorite verse was this verse, Romans 8, 28. Loved it. Uh, if you've been a Christian for a long time, it grew up in the 80s. A lot of people have life verses. This is my life verse. Cool. All right, great. What does that mean? Cool. But that was my grandfather. This was his life verse. This is what he wanted his life to be all about. Uh, great guy. Loved Jesus. He was an insurance salesman. His name was Buzz Van Hughes. and doesn't get much cooler than that. Maybe Doug Moo, but that's, you know, that's, that's up there. And mid-50s, living the dream, got kids, got a grandson, three other little, little grandson, and, and uh, he gets diagnosed with cancer, and he's gone in months. And you, you look at that, and you say, wait, wait, wait. This was supposed to be the life first, right? Like, that God would use all of it for good. Like, it didn't work for him. Like, what happened? He had his trust in Jesus. It didn't work for him. Can I tell you that it did work for him? Just not in the way we thought, not in the way we, we often see. Can I tell you two ways it worked for him? Number one, at his funeral, people put their trust in Jesus. And one of those people is a woman who fell so head over heels in love with Jesus that she has spent the last 38 years of her life on a mission to see as many other people fall head over heels in love with Jesus as she has. I'd say that's a win. I mean, I, I wish I had grown up with my grandpa. I wish that he knew me past three. I, I, I wish that he had been around. But, but man, what an amazing way that God takes the horrors of cancer and turns it into good. And, and can we say number two is the upgrade that he got, right? From hospital to heaven, right? Like we saw last week, life disappoints, but heaven awaits. Verse 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Guys, this is the greatest good, okay? We were just promised that in all things, God's going to work, work for our good, right? And then the very next verse, he talks about the greatest possible good that could happen. What is that? That's you and I being conformed to the image of his son. What does that mean? It just simply means you and I looking more and more like Jesus in the way that we live. So there's been an ongoing war in my family for many years my daughter, when she was born, I was hoping was going to look like me because my son Cade looks nothing like me. He's a Pavoni through and through, okay? He acts like me in lots of ways, but he does not look like me at all. And so Bryn arrived. I know she's a girl. I'm a dude, but she's going to look like me, right? And at first, I thought I had it. I thought I nailed it. Bryn's growing up. She's like two years old. She's got this really long, blonde, curly hair just like I had. And we used to joke when she came it left. Like, she, she took it, you know? Like, she took mine. I, I, right around that time, I, I saw the scraps remaining, and so let's do this. And so I got rid of it. But, but earlier, man, back in the day, similar hair, similar hair color, similar face features. And then a bunch of all, all you have betrayed me in the, in the recent future. And like every week, Kelly comes home and says, somebody else told me today, Bryn looks just like me, and you're all insane. Like, that's the problem here, okay? Because I was counting on at least one of them looking like me, right? Conform to my answer. But here's the deal. She's looking more and more like my wife, which is an awesome thing, by the way, because my wife is gorgeous. But this 
whole idea of, of looking like somebody, looking like somebody, that, that Jesus is taking the garbage we go through in this world, and he's making us look more and more like him, right? That's the greatest good in all this. That's the greatest way he uses the difficulties in our life. When Kelly and I went through her almost passing away three years ago now, something happened in us that, especially me, that, that hadn't been there before. She's always been a very compassionate, caring person, me not so much. And so someone would come to me and they're going through something difficult. And of course, I would try to show as much care as I could. But I'll tell you what, when one of you walk up to me now and say, man, my, my spouse is going through it and they, they're, they're just, like things are scary right now. Like, like I break with you there, you know? And we're going to pray about it, like right then and there. When some of you comes up to me and says, oh man, my kid, I don't know, they're going through this or that, and, and I just need help, and I'm with you. Like my heart's feeling that. And that's a conforming to the image of his son that happened in me when I went through that pain a few years ago. Some of you guys have been through horrible, horrible times of, of just being stabbed in the back. And, and you know what? As painful as that was, do you know what it did for you? It made you go, I never want to be that to someone. I never want to do that to someone. And so you know what that makes you? It makes you faithful. That's like Jesus, right? Isn't it amazing how he takes the, the bad and he says, okay, let me make you look a little bit more like Jesus, a little bit more like my son. You're going to line up a little bit more in the, in the hope and the peace and the character and the, the qualities of Jesus. And that's the greatest good. goes on, verse 30. If you're not a follower of Jesus, please hear me on this. And those he predestined, he also called, and those he called, he also justified. If you're not a father of Jesus, I know there's a lot of big words in that verse. Let me break it down for you. Just that last word I want you to focus on for a minute. Justified means that when you put your trust in Jesus, God sees you now just as if you had never done all the stuff before you put your trust in Jesus. He sees you as pure and as holy. He sees you as blameless. He sees you, he's not dumb, he knows we still sin, and he knows that our sin causes consequence and natural consequence, but when it comes down to it and you stand before God, he's not going to look at you and pronounce you guilty before him. He's going to look at you and pronounce you innocent and free. And it took the blood of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus to make that possible for you and possible for me. This is a huge part of the good that he works in our lives. And then he says this, those he justified, he also glorified. That's what we looked at last week. That the day is coming, you and I will be glorified. We'll be in the very glory of God in heaven with him. And so, I don't know if you've learned this yet, but life's really hard, right? And we wrestle with disappointment and despair, don't we? And sometimes it feels like it's winning, if we're honest. But there's a God who says, when you don't know how to pray, and all you could do is groan. I'm turning that groan into a perfect prayer. And even if our groans, we, we find good. And there's a God who says that the Spirit is taking those prayers and the Father's going, I am on it. I'm so on it. Like, I have it. Like, have you ever had someone in your life so dependable when they said, I have it? You just left it. You slept well? Like, that's who God is, right? That's who our Father is. He says he has you in me. He has you in me. He says he's on it, he is on it, and he will work good one way or another. And so in the midst of the brokenness, in the midst of feeling like everything has fallen apart, you can look around and say, there's good coming. I don't know it. Like, like we sang today, I don't know it. I, I can't feel it right now. In the first service, I love it, Trin, as we were singing that song, as we were singing that part of the verse, she just shouted out and said this. She said, this is the truth. Like as we're singing that, I don't always see it, God, but I know you're working. I don't always feel it, but I know you're working. She said, this is the truth. And that is it. That's what we cling to in the midst 
of the hardship and the difficulty in our lives. My heart for you and I this series is that we just be able to take a line a week and, and digest it and cling to it. That we be able to take a line a week and really live it out. And my heart for you guys this week is that you would take this and you would cling to it. Life disappoints, but God works all things for good. No asterisk, no fine print anywhere to trick us. Oh, I didn't realize that this decision, I didn't realize that that betrayal, that, that was in the fine print. And God said, that's, no, that's, that's not there. Like he's always working everything for good. And so if you don't know how to pray, he even counts those groans as prayers. And even our groans lead to good in God. Can't imagine good coming through this. Can't imagine God taking this and working something beautiful. You know, I think so often one of the ways we get disappointed with God has to do with time. It's time frame. It's God, I needed this by now. God, I need you to do this then. God, I'm disappointed because you didn't come through by this time. One of the things that I learned from that I pray will stick with you is a conversation I had with my brother-in-law years ago. We were talking about David and Saul. And if you know the story, Saul is the king, and he's a really evil king, like super messed up, like psycho king, like murderer king, like ready to just destroy everybody, super insecure, super jealous, super proud, like nobody wants this boss. Like if you work for this guy, you want to quit your job and go somewhere else. That's who Saul was. And God saw that, and then he looks at David, and he says, David, you're going to be king, but David's got to wait, right? He's got to wait, like a long time. And we were talking about this, and my brother-in-law said, you know, I think one of the things God was doing in that time was he was killing the Saul in David, right? He was killing the Saul in David. There's Saul in all of us, isn't there? There's garbage in all of us. And, and at times, as we walk through disappointment, God is killing the Saul in us. And David would one day sit on the throne, and he wasn't perfect, just like you and I aren't perfect, but he was a very different king than Saul was. And so if you're kind of frustrated that God hasn't done it yet, I want to encourage you, let him kill the Saul and David. That, that's you and I looking more and more like Jesus. That's us being conformed to the image of his son. I just encourage you, don't fight the process. Let God do his thing in you. He's on it. He's on it. He has you. So, all things for good. The good that God sees, the good that endures, the good we probably wouldn't have chosen on the first side. He's even working in your mistakes. There has never been a meaningless season in your life. Can I say that again? There has never been a meaningless season in your life. God uses it all for good. Doug, you don't know what I did. Spring break. Doug, you don't know what I did. Early 2000s was dark, Doug. You you don't know where I was then. No, there's never been a meaningless season in your life. Every situation you thought was wasted, our God will redeem. So I started out the message with this carpet, this little two by two foot horrible excuse for a carpet. (laughs) And it was funny. So I'm writing this message and I I said to my daughter, Bryn, I said, do you still have that carpet? Because Amazon was good to us. They let us, spoiled us, let us keep it, you know, one of those deals. (laughs) And she said, yeah. And I said, where is it? And she said, it's in my locker at school. I said, why? She said, it's a carpet for my locker. (laughs) And I thought to myself, man, if my 13-year-old daughter can take this and use it for good, what can God do when he takes your disappointments and uses it for good? 
I don't know if you saw it, but there's a little piece of carpet on every one of your seats. You're probably sitting on it. <laughs> I encourage you to grab it. I want you to put it in your pocket. I want you to keep it with you every day this week. And every time you feel it, every time you see it, every time it goes through the laundry and you got to pull another fiber off, I want you to remember that this represents good. That God can take the disappointments in our life and bring about, bring about such great good. If you're a follower of Jesus, here's what I want you to do while we close in prayer. I want you to think about something in your past that was horrible in the moment, but that you are now thankful for. Because that's your hope for the next season, right? I want you to think about it. Man, the divorce broke me, but look how God used it. Man, the addiction, I, I, how could God bring it? But he did. He brought good out of that. My kid doing this or that, uh, the heartbreak, the, the relationship that abruptly ended. I, I thought it was going to kill me, but wow, look what God did. And now we take that hope and we go, okay, he can, he can do it, right? He can do it. He can take the disappointment and he can use it for good. Because life disappoints, but God works all things for good. Let's pray together. God, we thank you, Jesus, that you are this God to us, and this is your promise to us to continue to be this God to us. And so I pray that, God, with all the different pain and broken situations in this room, you will bring such life. We're desperate for you, God. We need you. If you're a follower of Jesus, can you, can you just work through what I just said? Just what was the moment for you? What was that horrible thing that felt like it was going to kill you? And what did God do instead? What good did he bring? If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him today, like I said, he died for you and he loves you. And yes, he wants you. And he wants you even in the mess you might find yourself in today. And he'll take every ounce of it, even your own mistakes, and he'll use it for good. And heaven does await you. Not because you and I are good, but because God is good because Jesus gave his life for you and me. And he wants to walk right through life with you and, and turn those groans into perfect prayers. And he wants to take every situation and turn it for good. And so if you want to put your trust in him today, you can pray with me now. You just quietly pray something like this. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I put my trust in you today, God. I pray you'll turn my groans into perfect prayers. I pray, God, you'll turn the bad into good. And I pray you'll make me look like Jesus. Thank you for this gift. If I could just ask everybody, just put your head down for a minute. And anybody that prayed that prayer for the first time today, I'd love for you to just look up at me. You don't have to do that, but it would be awesome just so I could be praying for you this week. We could celebrate what God's doing. Is there anyone today that prayed that for the first time? Awesome. I see you. That's great. Anybody else today? Thank you. Anybody else? It's not really about me seeing it. God knows your heart. But yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much. God, we, we praise you today for the lives you're changing. We ask you to keep us going. But we thank you, God. At the end of the day, we can celebrate that life disappoints, but you work all things for good.